Time is running out for the planet Earth. It's impervious to all voices. There's an intriguing sensation. It's a nuclear device. Fun, fun, fun! Yes, that's nice. Statistically speaking, of course, it's still the safest way to travel. It belongs to a creature from outer space. It's a bird! It's a plane! It's very important. It does not confuse you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Show and Hair, and I'm Daniel Pickett. I'm Jason Lindsay. And do you think people are sick of hearing from us? This is a lot of content in, in like, seven days. I know. It, it certainly won't. It makes up for any of those sort of periods where... We were we were too busy to do stuff, or we got behind. Um, this this buys us some time. That's right, and hopefully a little goodwill with the audience. That's yeah, exactly. So that if we get into one of those those periods again, they're gonna go, yeah. But remember that week that they they jammed all that stuff into like you know a, an eight nine day period. That's right. Let's back off. That's a lot of content. Oh oh yeah, and the show's still free. Oh, that's right. So maybe we should just shut our cake holes. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think anyone's angry about it. Sure. Are well, they? I'm, I, you know, I'm pre, I'm just a preemptive strike on my part. I see. All in right. In case we get there. Right. It's, right. You know, better to be safe than sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. So, the, so you're saying it's a preemptive cake hole shutting? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm telling them now before they even go there. Um, right. So, so. Boy, there seems to be an awful lot of information coming at us the past couple of weeks, so maybe it's a good thing that we're recording quite so much because there's so much going on in the world of pop culture and, and geekdom. That is true. That we need to comment on. Yes. Um, you know, at, at, at the same time. So lots happening. Uh, still lots of fallout from this Atfleck, or Batfleck, as I'd like to say, uh, decision. Um, even, um, even, even lots of, you know, mainstream, like the Entertainment Weekly and the Hollywood Reporter, they're, they're all commenting on this with big question marks. You know, it's interesting. You said something last episode, or I think it was the, the Affleck episode that we, we, we said, and you read, you read some comments about Heath Ledger being chosen. And then we talked about the, the Michael Keaton decision way back when, and that was, you know, when that was announced it was i think it was 1988 because the movie came out in 89 so i think it was just as they started filming um but you know i have vague memories of that not because it was so long ago but because i don't think i was quite as enmeshed in the the comic book and geek world back then but uh yeah there was a lot of a lot of question marks raised about that i mean the new i think the new york times had an article which which was weird in itself, like for them to even comment on such a thing. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah, it was a really big deal back then. Um, but you know, for the record, um, and this is where you know it, it's relevant to, to the the Affleck thing and what we're talking about. I never had a problem with Michael Keaton being Batman. Like like personally, you know, I I remember going, oh, that's weird. That's a that's a really weird choice. For this, what are they doing? And I, I, I think I had that moment, like a lot of people, where we went, "What is the tone of this thing going to be?" Yeah. You know, um, had he done clean and sober at that point, or no? He had done clean, like clean and sober was 
was getting a lot of buzz, and I think it was just coming out or had just come out or something um, as they were making this, this announcement. But I was such a fan of his, and I knew enough of what he'd done where even though he had done you know, 90% of what he'd done was comedy, um, there, there was great acting involved in what he did. So I didn't, I didn't hear the news and go, oh, wonderful idea. He's going to be a great – he's going to be perfect. But I was certainly open to it because I liked him so much, and I liked what Burton had done at that point. And I was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Let's see, let's see what happens. Because, again, at the time, it was such a, a blank canvas because we, there was nothing out there going on in the world of you know, comic book movies. So right. it was a crapshoot. We weren't sure what we were going to get. So it was this- we, ha- we had lived through... Superman three and four by that point. That's right. And we were pretty pretty beaten and bruised. We were a little bloodied. But I mean, I think there was more. I think it was like a one-two punch, but there was almost more curiosity about Tim Burton being named as the the guy that was going to direct this thing. You know, all he had done that people really knew was Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Beetlejuice. Right. Two very broad comedies. There was some darkness to both of them, but they were very broad, silly, goofy um, comedies. So, what, what year did Edward Scissorhands come out? That was ninety-one, I believe. So that was okay. Ninety or ninety-one, and the only reason he got to make Edward Scissorhands is because of Batman, because right. that did so well. That was an idea that he had been around for a long time, just like Nightmare Before Christmas. Nobody at Disney cared about that. That sat in their archives because he came up with it while he was there. Um, and, you know, and that didn't happen until 93 when he had done two Batman movies and Edward's hands did well, you know, for them and uh, gave him some, some clout. But yeah, I think, I think Scissorhands was 90 or 91. He did it after the first Batman. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there were certain amounts of you know, certainly darkness in Beetlejuice. It, you know, it, it presented itself as sort of a, a comedy, but there were some, you know, very horror-esque moments in it that I think people didn't quite know how to take him as a director. And and even Pee-wee had a little bit of darkness too, like with Large yeah. Marge and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. There's a, there's a weird a weirdness to Pee-wee. But neither of those things, I don't think, and certainly but both those films were not, you know, big budget monster movies, huge, huge, movie, huge movies, projects. So to give him this huge budget, this massive character, uh, this what was supposed to, what ended up being, you know, a reboot of the entire, you know, superhero movie world kind of thing. Uh, that was a big risk to, to give him to give him this. That, yeah. that that movie, and then the Keaton thing. It was like, wait a minute, it's Art Burton's. You already picked this guy to do it. And now you're doing Keaton. Like it was a very strange thing. And, you know, Keaton even talks about it. Like, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know how this thing was going to turn out. Nobody did. And so there was a lot of risk and a lot of very scared executives, (laughs) scared studio people (laughs) wondering how this, this thing was going to turn out. But anyway, uh, back to this uh, Batfleck thing, which isn't going to go away anytime soon. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently there was an article in The Hollywood Reporter about Josh Brolin. It, oh, no, huh? That Brolin was offered the part. 
And oh. that's part of where that rumor kind of got going before they made the Affleck announcement. Apparently, it was a pretty solid rumor because Warner Brothers wanted him. Affleck wasn't was far from the first choice. They wanted Brolin. Brolin said no. Uh, either he didn't want to be, he wasn't interested in being part of uh, sequels, which apparently is a, is, a, is a quote that seems to be going around about Ryan Gosling as well. He's not interested in doing sequels. So I'm not sure if we'll ever see Ryan Gosling in a franchise-type project. Um, but uh, Brolin said, said no. He didn't, he didn't want to do it. And then there probably were a couple other choices. Maybe they said no. And then they went to Affleck. And there's also a, a huge part of the article that's talking about the political angle of the choice of the of the choice of Affleck, um, you know, for you know uh, his writing, directing, and um, what what it sort of means to the outside world, to the world, to the entertainment world, to the to the actor world. You know, part of the reason that Warner Brothers did it, or certain executives made the choice, was how it would be seen or perceived by actors out there that respect him and want to work with him, uh, yeah. actor directors out there, um, and, and, and how it's almost like, a, almost like a sign of good faith or goodwill on, on their part. It's, and in other words, it, there's a lot of stuff that's being written out there about this, just how political this move is to, to, to have brought Affleck into this as, as Batman. Um, well, it's interesting too. Is and again, you know, there there is a lot of false information circling as well. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's the whole Brian Cranston is already cast as Lex Luthor thing. Yeah, that I think even Rolling Stone tried to confirm, but they're saying that it's not true. Mm -hmm. But but one of the things I heard is Affleck has signed on for 13 appearances, and that's not that's not 13 Batman movies. No, that's like. That's they're kind of using him apparently like Nick Fury, where he ties this new DC universe together. Wow! So I, you know, again, I I'm not sure that that's entirely true, but that's the number I heard. Thirteen appearances is, is what he signed better on get, for. So better get happy about it very quickly because he yep he's not going away. Well, I think a couple things are happening here. I think it is a political uh, move on a number of reasons. I don't think. Warner Brothers was sitting around going, "That's our Batman. You know, he's gonna he's gonna be the best guy to play this to play this part." I think it's a very political thing. I think you know they had talked about him a while back about directing uh, the Justice League thing. That's right. As, as a possibility, um, I don't know. I can't imagine where the initial idea came from. I don't know if it came from from uh, Zack Snyder or it came from the studio. But it feels like Snyder. I get the feeling that Zack Snyder, they're, that they're moving so fast on this for a number of reasons, that that it's not Superman two, it's Superman Batman for a number of reasons. One, I think first and foremost, the studio uh, is is obviously well aware of how much Marvel is kicking their butts and doesn't want to piss around, waste any more time with standalone this or that, wants to get to this Justice League movie as quickly as possible. And obviously doing a Batman-Superman thing is, is jumping a couple of steps already, you know, to get there. And I think Zack Snyder really wants to be the guy that can say, not only did I bring Watchmen to life, 
you know, the, the graphic novel that was unfilmable, that for 20-some years every studio and every director imaginable tried to bring to life and couldn't do it. Not only did I do that, I'm going to be the guy that makes Justice League happen when, when no one else could do it, and it languished for so long. I think he wants to be the guy that, that can lay claim to both of those things. Yep. Um, and it's funny because, you know, again, they have – because the backlash has been so overwhelming. And like you said, it's been mentioned in every major uh, publication, website. Yeah. Uh, you know, Forbes has this giant article about it. <laughs> uh, but they've, they've really – people have desperately tried to track down actors that have played Batman previously and get their take on mm. it. Adam, Adam West has talked about uh. it. Uh, they, uh, uh, Val Kilmer is doing a, a one man show about Mark Twain right now. Yes. Uh, they tra- they tracked old citizen Twain down <laughs> and, and got his comment. And then just today, uh, some TMZ guy tracked down Michael Keaton and got his take on it. Uh, what do you say? Uh, he basically said he just found out about it, but he thinks Ben Affleck will be great. And then they said, they asked something like, uh, are, are you going to have any participation? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> They're like, oh, well, would you be willing to take on another role in the film? And he was like, I'll do anything. Oh, so that's fun. Well, it's not like yeah. any of them are going to go, Affleck? That's a shit idea. Like, none of them are going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Keaton, I remember there was a clip of him was talking about not only Nolan, what a genius he thought Christopher Nolan was, but um, he, had, he, had, he had seen the first one. He'd seen Batman Begins. He had not seen the second one in its entirety, but he was just going on about Christian Bale and Heath Ledger and just how amazing uh, they were in that movie, in, in, in what he had, he had seen of that movie anyway. Um, so, yeah, so that, that 13 movie, that's like, you know, Captain America, what's his name, signing on for like seven seven or eight movies. That's why he was he took a weekend or whatever it was to <clears throat> to make the decision because you're really, you know, locked into it for a long, long time. Um yeah. and yeah, it's not that they're gonna spread them across all these that's the other thing that's that's weird. Like they're 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 somehow I don't know if this has come down officially from Warner Brothers or D C or whatever, but they are certainly trying to tie this story in to the Dark Knight Returns, to the Frank Miller graphic novel, The Dark Knight Returns. Right. Now, I don't know if, again, I, don't, I have not heard an official word like this Superman-Batman thing is going to be 60% Dark Knight Returns, or we're really basing the script on this thing. I don't know, but it's such a well-known book, and it's got such a tone to it um, that I think it's a mistake to keep pushing it because it's so well known like like if you're trying to educate that good chunk of the audience out there that doesn't know this book uh isn't really that familiar with batman and is you know that that those two generations down or whatever that are really excited about all this stuff that's one thing but there's still a huge chunk of the population and especially the geek population that knows that graphic novel backwards and forwards and they're going to be really hard. It's going to be really difficult to convince them that Affleck is a good idea. <laughs> well, I mean, that, it doesn't Batman make in it doesn't make sense for them to reference that too hard. I mean, so much of that book is about 
Batman being the sort of aging superhero and what's happening exactly. in the world and how things are outlawed and the the history of the Batman and Superman relationship. That's right. And if you try and shoehorn too much of that in when it's really the first time most people are going to see them meeting, that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's that's what I'm confused by. I don't I don't get that. But uh, that could be, you know, they, they might be distancing themselves from it now or, um, you know, not mentioning it anymore. I don't know. But anyway, that's that's all the Batman news that's fit to print, and it's still coming at us fast and fast and furiously. But in the meantime, we've got a show to do. Yes. And there are rules. And so we need to get to what we're excited about. Okay. And as always, you get to go first. All right. Well, I'm excited. My mind's a little ways off, but it'll be here before I know it. Just a couple of weeks. Sons of Anarchy is coming back for its new season, September 10th. That's the show about the, the biker people, right? That is correct. Are there yes. cops in that? Is somebody like an undercover cop? Uh, no. Okay. The, uh, uh, Donald Loge just came in at the end of last season as a U.S. Marshal. I like that guy. He's very good. He's, he's, he's one of those guys that's just, you're one of those character guys that's just good in everything. Yeah, totally. Remember that? I love watching him. Did I loved have, him in life. What was the sitcom that he did? He did a, what was that? Yeah. Remember that? It was like, it was like, um, it, he was married and it was, it was like they, they got married young or they had kids young and so they were, yes. They were like kind of it was a, it was a sitcom. It was basically like you know they were this young couple that already had teenage kids or a teenage daughter. Yep. yep. Um, and 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 I forget who the wife was, but then the um, his his buddy, he had like a buddy or a brother-in-law or something in there, and it was that guy. You know that character actor that did you see Big Fan? Uh, I've seen part of it. I've seen like the first half of it. He's like he's like the best friend in big fa- in big fan. He's like Oswald. Fa- you know this guy. He's been in everything. Character guy. He's like he's like from New York. Black hair. Grounded for life was his grounded for life. That was a pretty good show. Yeah, that was on Fox, I think. Uh, I think you may be right. Anyway, so I'm sorry. Uh, Sons of Anarchy. What is it? Season three for this thing. I think this is five. No, this is six, I think, what? actually. Yeah. It's been on for six years? Yes. Come on. I'm serious. I think they just wrapped up five, they, and this is six. Are, are these are these networks starting to like do two seasons in a year? No. I wish. Sons of Anarchy's been on for six years? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're just coming into I, it. I, I, I can't... Uh, I don't know why it's, I'm having such a hard time with this, <laughs> but I am. But it's a great show, you know. It's a, you know people talk about how great, uh, like Breaking Bad is, and how uh-huh. uncomfortable it makes you. Yeah. Uh, Sons of Anarchy is the same way. They set up such high stakes uh-huh. that it just. I mean, you you dread and 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 love each episode. Wow, that sounds kind of scary. It is scary. It actually is scary. Yeah, I don't know if I want to be that uncomfortable watching watching drama. I mean, I have heard that it's a it's a it's a really good show, and it's one of those things where, like, you know, that anybody that sort of has gotten into it has said, you know, I was so against this show because I thought, why would I want to watch a show about bikers? 
And then it turns out that it's just this really well-written, well-done show that um, doesn't really matter what the, what the, you know, what the, they've, they've been convinced, you know what I mean? They, they've gotten into it, even though it's about a subject they don't care about. Well, the first season, I mean, it's really sort of set up. It is Hamlet in a biker gang. So it's got some pretty deep roots. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Yes. Hey, speaking but of... It uh, certainly takes off from there. Speaking of Hamlet, not really, but um, you remember that time we talked about that documentary that um, that I think you had seen and you told me to watch, and it was about those tiles that, that, were, that were found at different parts of the world? Yeah, the Toynbee tiles. Toynbee tiles. Okay. Now, what, do you remember the name of the, the documentary? Called Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. That's it. Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to tell somebody about it about a week ago, and I couldn't think of the name of that thing. Because uh, that's, that's one of the messages on one of the tiles, right? Resurrect Dead? Yes, that's right. That's in uh, the, primarily the, all the first ones say that. That was a strange freaking documentary, right? <laughs> yes, it was. And subject matter? Fascinating, though. I just, like, you couldn't tear me away from I, it. And, and it sort of gave me nightmares afterwards. Like, what is this about? Who's doing this stuff and why? Yeah, yeah that is a good one. I got I to gotta tell people about that. That's a good one. So just to finish up with the Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. if, you, if people are interested, uh, it's, it's by the guy. He was one of the guys that was one of the main writers. His name's Kurt Sutter, one of the main writers on The Shield. Yates. That series, uh, Charlie Hoonan is the is the lead in it. Who was the the guy in uh, Pacific Rim? Katie Segal, the mom from Married with Children, is in it. Hey, She's fantastic. She's actually Kurt Sutter's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, who else is? She's in also it? the voice of what's her name in uh, Futurama, right? That's right. Yes, uh, Ron Perlman is huge in it. Dayton Kelly, who was uh, he was one of the the main guys in Deadwood that people liked. Jimmy Smits is a character in it now. It's just oh wow, it's, man, it's dynamite and just you you cannot imagine what these people are doing in the writing room to come up with such high stakes for each season. It's really dynamite. Is it is it really really violent? Uh, parts of it, yes. And. Um... You know, do you have anybody to kind of root for, or are they all just awful people? You kind of, it's, it's kind of one of those things, like the shield, where you find different reasons to root for different people. You know, like the Sopranos. But it, it's constantly changing. Like the Sopranos, you know, what it, what it was so good at is, it, it managed to make, you know, its main character sympathetic sometimes. Like, the, just when they would spend an episode... On, on him, you know, caring about an animal or something or, you know, someone in his past that died. You know, they'd spend one or two episodes showing you how tender and, yep. and human this guy could be. And then at the end of the episode or the end of the following one or whatever it was, something would happen. Some, some rage or some disgusting thing would happen that he would do. And it would remind you, like, oh, that's right. That's exactly how the show is structured. You know, yeah. he's a monster. He's an absolute yeah. disgusting monster. I forgot. You know. Yeah. Uh, is that is that so? That's kind of what it's like. You're saying. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, I'm. You know, I I keep saying I'm going to give it a try, but like, once it gets into like 
five or six seasons or years of this thing, I kind of feel like I'm never going to catch up. But again, they're short. You know, they're 11 episode seasons, so mm. you don't have to go crazy with it. You're not having to watch 23 hours of television. All right. Well, maybe I'll um, maybe yeah. I'll uh, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. So it started in 2008. So yeah, six seasons. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. And it was one of those ones, too, where I, I don't think I got into it. I think we started watching it in when it was season four. We went back and started watching from season one. But we watched season one, two, three all in a row and then caught season four, then season five, and now season six starts in a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, speaking of Batman, <laughs> yes, well, Star Wars, you know, there's this... Uh, a lot of stuff going around the internet about Star Wars. You just said, speaking of Batman, Star Wars. Right. Well, I'll get to. I'll, you'll see the connection. I make. There are connections in my head that that can only be explained during a story. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, Batman, Star Wars, and there seems to be like almost like a like a weird Star Wars news blackout. You know, there's just nothing but rumors going around, but we're not hearing a lot solid except for John Williams coming out right. of those camps and it, it you know time's a waste in here but um back to the batman thing and and brolin there's a strong rumor out there that ryan gosling they they did speak to ryan gosling about some part in the new star wars film or trilogy and that he had turned something down as well that's what i was thinking like he had he had turned down a potential part in the new star wars because he's not interested in in sequels. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd heard they had approached him. Or franchises. But or I, I had not heard he turned it down. I just don't get that. I just would think that if... I guess, I mean, I guess you have to kind of respect it or honor it in some way. But um, I would think that, you know, if you did do something like that, then you could turn around and make all the, you know... The Place Beyond the Pines or whatever, Lars and the Real... You could make, you know, a dozen of those movies... No, oh, yeah. Once, and it's just, you know, at that point, it's printing your own money. Yeah, once you make something like this, right? And I, I, there's been a lot of weird things come out of the casting, things come out of the woodwork. Like, apparently Shatner was trying to throw his hat in the ring to be Alfred. <laughs> uh, somebody said that, like, Justin Timberlake was trying to tell people he wanted to be the Riddler now. I'd watch Shatner as Alfred. Okay. I'd buy that. But then, now I guess the the stronger rumor is Timothy Dalton being Alfred. Oh, that would be cool. Speaking of, yeah. did you hear about his casting? Uh, I don't know, did well, I? Well, there's a really cool uh, show idea coming from Showtime that we've heard about for quite a while because, um, you know, we, we have a relationship with Showtime, obviously. Yep. Uh, it's called Penny Dreadful. And for those of you out there not familiar with the, with the term uh, – Penny Dreadful was was um, was sort of a slang term for the kind of pulpy uh, stories that that sort of made the rounds in. Um, oh, I don't want to say Victorian. It was Victorian, but yeah. it might have been Victorian England, where you know this sort of um, you know Frankensteinish kind of uh, you know monster stories or or horror stories and ghost stories. Oh, yeah, the original story for Sweeney Todd came from the Penny Dreadful. It, yes, and so it's kind of a term like like the pulps, you know, the, the, the pulp 
you know, books like, the, you know, The Shadow and uh, Doc Savage and characters like that. I think that term originally comes from the material that was used to make these books. Like it was, they were so cheaply made, but it was, it was like pulp mulch or paper or whatever that was used to bind these books. And they were very cheaply done and very, you know, cheaply sold. Uh, but that's where the term, you know, pulp novel sort of came from was the, the descriptive term. So Penny Dreadful is this new series that's uh, going to be on Showtime that is in that time frame, the sort of Sweeney Todd time frame. And it involves, you know, vampires and monsters and creatures and things like that. And uh, a couple of names have been cast, which I've forgotten, but the one that just got signed on. Uh, is Timothy Dalton, hmm. and it's an eight-episode series, and um, it sounds like he's playing almost like a an Alan Quartermain kind of a kind of a character. Oh, uh, interesting. But there's but you've heard a rumor that Dalton might be Alfred in the the new Batman Superman. Yeah, <gasps> that would be awesome. Yeah. Wow, that would be great. I'd watch him, you know, stand in a hole. That guy. I love him. Um, anyway. So it looks like the, so far the only two people cast are Josh Hartnett and Eva Green. In Penny Dreadful? Yep. Yes, that's it, Josh Hartnett. I remember hearing that name and thinking, what happened to him? Where's he been? Uh, but Dalton was announced uh, uh, early this week. They, they okay. threw his name out there somewhere. Uh, anyway, we're already quite a ways into the show, and I haven't... And, we ha- and you haven't told us what you're excited no, about. What I'm excited about is um, there is a new single that just came out, just got released today by Sir Paul McCartney. Never heard of it. The song is called New. So his new song is called New. Uh, You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on the official Paul McCartney uh, website. It is fantastic. It is, if you don't, if you for some reason hate the Beatles and don't like Paul McCartney, don't go look for this song. If, (laughs) if If you like either of them, then please run, don't walk to get to this this track. It is wonderful. It is, in my mind, the the the, the best thing, the best single he's put out in in decades. Um, wow! It's it's almost like Penny Lane Part Two. It's such a fun, you know. I, I found this thing this morning because I got sent the you know from the website or whatever, and I I hit play on this thing and just. Got this big stupid grin across my face, you know, early this morning hearing this this track. It's got horns. It's uh, it's got hand claps instead of drums. An amazing bass line, but it's a precursor to an album that's coming out in October, which is the first all original uh, album in like six or seven years, I think, um, that he's got coming out. Uh, so it was just just so great to think, you know, this this worldwide treasure, I believe, that he is as a songwriter. How at 70, 71 years old, whatever he is, how he's still coming up with melodies and and still able to sit down and and write a three-minute, four-minute pop song and have it really soar like that. I, I just, I don't know how, you, how that's still happening. But it is, so he's got a new record. And the other thing that was interesting uh, that that sort of has leaked out there, there's not an official word yet from uh, the Beatles camp, you know, from Apple or anyone. But supposedly, um, back in 1994, 93, 94, 
Capitol released a double disc called uh, The Beatles at the BBC. And because there, and I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm sure someone can look it up, there, was a, there were certain laws about the airwaves way back when that you, couldn't, you could only play a record so many times throughout the week or something. Mm-hmm. Only a certain amount of content on the radio waves could be devoted to this or could be devoted to that, and that included you know, pop music. But they got around it by having bands come to the BBC and play certain tracks live. So if, you, if they hit their quota of playing She Loves You X number of times during the week, they could still have the Beatles come in on a Sunday and play it live. No, <laughs> okay. really interesting. And, and yeah. this, you know, everyone did it, you know, um, the Stones, the Kinks, you know, Zeppelin, every, the Who, everybody did these BBC sessions and then sat down for interviews and stuff like that. So this double disc came out in 94 and, and, was a lot of the stuff you know had been bootlegged for years, but these were the official recordings. Not the greatest sound quality ever because it's of the way they, you know, the techniques used back then. But it was the precursor to the Beatles anthology, which came out the following year, and and it, it certainly helped the recognition of those double disc sets and how how well they did. So supposedly, there is a new volume of Beatles at the BBC. All these fresh live cuts that no one's heard uh, from a slightly later period in their career that's supposedly going to be coming out soon. Uh, oh. But there is not an official word that's been released yet on it. So that's like a triple whammy in one day. Uh, McCartney's new single, new record announced, and a possible new Beatles BBC set. Yeah, couldn't know what to do with yourself. I, I know. It's, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of time waiting for this stuff. So the nice thing is we got all our Christmas shopping done for you. Exactly. Exactly. I just got to keep busy until then. So that's my, that's what I'm excited about. There's all right. That sounds good. Um, now we should get to this piece of casting news since we're talking about casting this and casting that just announced today that James Spader has been cast as Ultron in the new Avengers movie. It's got to be kind of a doughy Ultron. I'm not sure it means him physically cast. I don't know. But as a little callback to an episode or two ago, that is the bit of casting news that I could not share on the air. Oh, okay. With you. I, had, I had heard uh, through his camp that uh, he was very busy of late, and one of the reasons was he just got cast in the new Avengers film. Now, they didn't say... They didn't use the word Ultron, but I just kind of in my head went, oh, it's got to be Ultron, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, because that's kind of, I think that's a cool, you know, it's like when they announced that um, Lawrence Fishburne was going to be the voice of Silver Surfer. Yeah. You know, that was a good idea. That was cool. You go, yeah. oh, yeah, that works. Yeah. That totally works. Yeah. Um, I think the Spader thing is a pretty cool idea. I completely agree. You know, it's kind of out of left field, and yet... Right away, you're like, well, that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard anyone yet go, what are they talking about? Yeah. How dare you? I'm starting a petition to the president. Now, if he is on screen, this is what's really weird. If he is somehow on screen at some point, it'll be a reunion of sorts between him and Robert Downey Jr. From their Less Than Zero days, right? Less Than Zero. 
yeah. from their creepy, the creepy relationship they had with Less Than Zero. That's right. So that could be fun. Maybe they'll do a little in-joke about that. That creepy, super creepy movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's a little bit of casting, uh, casting news. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think overall, everything I've read, people have been like, yeah, totally see that. Yeah, and speaking of things that we've seen, yes. you saw The Wolverine. I did finally see The Wolverine. Yeah, I saw it a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know why I haven't talked about it yet. I have not but, seen uh, The Wolverine. Oh. So if you can keep your, your views neutral, I'd appreciate it. Or fairly neutral. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so it's it's certainly better than X-Men Origins Wolverine. Okay. Uh, not a perfect film by any stretch. I think uh, they they try and give you this kind of twist on it, but if you don't see that swimming up the Hudson, uh, you've never, ever read a comic book. Okay, okay. Careful, uh, careful, careful. I know, but I'm just, it, you'll watch it and you'll go, well, here's the direction this is going. <laughs> you know, it's just like, there won't be any doubt in okay, anyone's mind. Okay, okay, I get you. Uh, you know, good performances, very good from everyone. Hugh Jackman is always dynamite. There's a great scene in it at one point where he's being attacked by a legion of ninjas and just keeps going no matter what. That, you know, is it's the kind of nerd moment where you kind of want to stand up and cheer in the theater. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, there's another villain in it that you see in the trailers and stuff called Viper that just feels completely unnecessary and dropped in just because. Okay, uh, just a very, very strange choice. Uh, but, you know, I, I would recommend seeing it. It it ties into the larger uh, Marvel X-Men universe, uh, just like, and I think we mentioned it before, just like most of the Marvel movies now, there is a pretty uh, key scene in the closing credits that ties into Days of Future Past. Okay, I was going to say, is it, is it seem like it's a nice... Nice uh, tie-in to the next thing. Yes, absolutely. All righty. And speaking of Days of Future Past, there's a great website up. Uh, what is it called? I think it's actually called like Trask Industries. Oh, yeah. It's like TraskIndustries.com that uh, ties into the making of the Sentinels. And it's, you know, it's made to look like this marketing website. Uh, but just super creepy. Yeah, it's, it's trask-industries.com. I hate to admit that. I hate to say this, but I'm, I'm admitting that there's clearly too much information floating around in my head to keep track of. Why do I know the name Trask? Uh, Trask is the creator of the Sentinels. That's the character that uh, Peter Dinklage is playing in Days of Future Past. But but isn't that name from something else too? Boulevard Trask. Isn't that name from something else? Uh, I don't know. Wasn't there another character in some other movie or franchise or something that was called Trask? Maybe. No. That does sound vaguely familiar. Does it, does it not uh, do anything for you? Uh, it it's a, it rattles a little bit, but I, uh, it's not springing to me because right now I've just been getting hit so much with information about Days of Future Past. So did they did they mention Trask at all, like in any of the Iron Man movies or anything? Ah, not that I remember. God, that that's gonna bug me. Unless I'm only remembering it from from the uh, the 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 Marvel stuff. But there's something about it. I'm, I'm picturing someone. 
I'm picturing a character in a movie using saying Trask from something, <laughs> and uh, I don't know why that's really going to bug me. Maybe somebody can uh, send us a note. Let's see, we're going to think of it like in the middle of the night, and we're going to have to do a fourth episode this week. Exactly, it's it's going to come to me, but it's it's for now it's it's really bugging me. Um, well, I've seen. I think I talked about this last time. I teased it. I saw the Evil Dead remake. Oh yeah. On on DVD, which uh, was really interesting. Uh, as remakes go, I have to give them. I have to give them props for. I think they pulled it off. You know, I mean, it's it's a lot to live up to uh, those movies, and um, I think it's a it's a, it's a worthy effort. And the smart thing that they did was was, you know, I'm sure you've seen the trailers for it, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. So you know that the that the lead is 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 a is a is a female. Yep. So that was really interesting. A smart thing to do to try to do something a little different, and also being well aware that it would be a mistake to try to emulate, you know, too much of the humor or to try to replicate the humor or the brand of humor necessarily in those movies that, you know, Bruce Campbell pulled off mm-hmm. and Raimi did. And so instead, they I think what they do is they, they the violence, it's so graphic. The last third of it is so graphic and so gory and violent that it's just you have to start laughing it's just insane wow. um but uh but definitely worth a worth a viewing right. maybe it'll set up another another franchise uh so just so you know uh there was uh bill duke did play boulevard trask in x-men last stand if that's what you're thinking no about. that's not it either it's got to be it's something that's coming from. Oh man, it's really. There was a character named Trask in Twenty Four. There was AJ Trask, a character in Working Girl. There's Brett Trask on Law and Order Special Victims that's Unit. That's it. It's Working Girl. Are you serious? Yeah, she's she's explaining the pitch, and she's like, Trask. Who played Who played Trask in Working Girl? Was it Philip Bosco? Well, let's see. Let's see here. It's It's Working Girl. Trask Industries, uh, something Trask in Working Girl. That's it. Yeah, Trask. Oh, played in- by Tom O'Rourke. Trask Industries. Tests suggest that a client, Trask Industries, should invest in radio. It's it's Working Girl. That's it. Wow. Thank you. The Working Girl. So it wasn't Reverend Trask from Dark Shadows, the 1966 Dark no, Shadows. No, it's Trask Industries All and right. Working Girl. So there was also a character named Trask in Saving. Private Ryan. Nope, it's it's working girl, and I I knew we'd get there someday. All right. Um, so there's that. Also, so you you recommend? Would you recommend the uh, the Evil Dead's? I would. I would. Yeah. I think you know, there's plenty of remakes out there that I've seen where I just go, oh, what a waste of time. That was a stupid idea. This is a this is a fairly worthy uh, remake, I think. And um, okay. Also. I would advise, if you're going to see it, stay through the credits. Um, also saw an interesting movie by Danny Boyle called Trance. Oh, yeah, that was uh, pretty recent. Yeah, James McAvoy, yep. Rosario Dawson, and 
who's the French guy that's so great in everything? Uh, Gerard Depardieu. Vincent Cassel. He's in the. Oh, he did this great uh, two two film thing called Marine, uh, based on a true story. This this guy that robbed loads of banks and was a public enemy number one in uh, in in France. Uh, he also was in the Ocean's Eleven movies, the the, la- the second uh, and third Ocean's movies. He's twelve and thirteen. It's a really interesting uh, film, very Hitchcock uh, oh, okay. type of film. Um, slightly graphic, uh, definitely an R, you know, a hard R sort of. But um, but uh, again, if you're into that sort of you know um, film noir kind of thing, uh, Hitchcockian. Definitely check it out. And finally, I saw Blue Jasmine, the new Woody Allen movie. Woody Allen, yep. Fantastic. I've heard nothing but good things about that. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. And she's so amazing in it. And I could spend a whole episode talking about Woody Allen and what a, you know, how much I admire his stuff. And there's never going to be another Woody Allen. 45 years of movies, a movie a year, writing and directing – 80% of them, you know, starring in. And the other thing that, that, that I don't think people point out enough is how well he writes female characters. I don't think there's another male writer-director out there that writes female characters as well as he does. And I'll bet you there isn't another director-writer that has, that has written slash directed as many actresses to Oscar nominations as he has. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to mention Oscar wins. I mean... Diane Keaton, Diane Weist, Mira Sorvino. Diane Weist won twice, both Woody Allen movies. Um, and this is not a likable character. I don't want to say too much about this character, but she is so uh, nuts. <laughs> Who's the lead in it? I don't think you oh, said. Uh, Kate Blanchett is the lead. Right. I guarantee she's going to get nominated, and she might win. She is. It's probably the best thing I've ever seen her do. Uh, wow. But it's a, it's really good. And the other thing that's interesting about it, Andrew Dice Clay is yep. is in this movie. Yep. He's got a supporting part in this movie, and he's fantastic. And I, I never thought those words would ever come out of my mouth. Yeah, Louis C.K. is in it too. Louis right? C.K. is in it. He's he's great. Um, he was originally he read for the Andrew Dice Clay role. I know. Oh, that's interesting. And then when he when he saw it, he was like, "Oh no, I shouldn't do. I should never have even tried for that. He's well, perfect he, for it. He's great in what he does, and it's 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 quite different than what you've seen him do before, uh, Louis C.K. But, yeah. but Clay is just like, a I don't know where this guy's been for twenty years, but b I don't know how his his name even got thrown into the ring for this thing, but he's terrific in it. Uh, hmm. Really, really good. It's and it's a great movie if you if you're curious about it or his stuff. You know, every now and then, you know, Woody Allen has been able to veer into much more dramatic stuff like, um, you know, match points, uh, crimes and misdemeanors. Even Melinda and Melinda is kind of, it's got some darkness to it. This is a very um, dark kind of character. Okay. Uh, not a real happy story, but it's really good. Uh, I read a I read an article just a few weeks ago that there's a rumor that he's Woody Allen's going to start going back and doing some more stand up again. Oh wow! How amazing would that be to see? Oh my god, that was. Have you ever heard any of his his stand up record, the albums that came out? 
Uh, I just I saw what was in that documentary about him, the, that old archive footage. You should maybe they're on YouTube. Maybe you can find some of this stuff just audio on on YouTube. Um, it's really brilliant stuff. He was a very oh, hilarious, very cerebral uh, uh, stand-up. His his jokes were really um, really smart stuff. You can see where he where the seeds of his you know writing and filmmaking sort of came from. Um, yeah. There's some really great stuff. That would be amazing. I did hear that he was going to be in something else. What did I just read or hear that he's going to be starring in someone else's movie or something? Ants 2. Which one? Ants 2. <laughs> ants 2. More ants. Ants, <laughs> ants in your pants. Uh, I'd see that. Would you? I liked ants. I thought ants was kind of fun. You know, it had to go up against... Um, it didn't have to go up against... Bugs Life. Bugs Life? Yep. Like, wasn't that within, like, six months of Bugs Life or something? It absolutely was. Anyhow, so that's been my viewing uh, roster. All right. Recently. Well, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, two episodes ago that we were watching Orange is the New Black yes. on Netflix, and we were about halfway through, finished it, and it's fantastic. Wow, really? It, it, Yeah, it, again... You kind of think it's doing this thing, and you're getting comfortable, and it's great. And for the last four episodes, it takes a turn, and you're just like, holy smokes. Oh, wow. But solid all the way across. Highly recommend. Okay. Uh, I might uh, – We, in fact, I just added that to our Netflix queue. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, – And just some amazing performances in it, too. Oh, I mean, cool. Thank you. Natasha Leone. I don't think I mentioned her last time. And well, what happened to her? Like she's she's right here. Didn't she? She had a she had a really tough go of it. Yeah, she had uh, for a while, like open heart surgery or something. Well, there's that, but she was like, I thought she was kind of like living on the streets for a while. Like she got she got pretty heavy into smack and stuff. Yeah, and oddly enough, that's what her character is on the show. Oh, there you well. go. Yeah, typecasting. So there's that. Uh, the, Ricky Gervais has a new show coming on Netflix. Okay. Uh, called Derek, and looks funny and interesting. But one of the characters in it is uh, uh, oh, I'm having an awful. What's the what's the little bald headed guy that he makes fun of in Idiot Abroad? Carl Pilkington. Carl Pilkington is a character in this. He's playing a part, and everyone has always wondered if Carl Pilkington is real or not. Uh-huh. So to see him playing something, I think, uh, subtracts a little bit from the credibility. We'll see. Interesting. I mean, it seems as if the character he's playing is very Carl Pilkington-esque. So, there's uh, another, um, speaking of Gervais, there's a new HBO series coming on with Stephen Merchant. Oh, yes, that looks great. That looks terrific. Um, What's it called, Hello, Ladies? Yes, yes. He's yeah. one of those guys that's just, he's just goofy to look at. Yes. You know, he's just blessed with that incredible goofy body. Um, I thought, you know, he was one of the funniest things in in extras. I mean, he just, I don't think he was in that enough. He yeah. was so great. Um, yeah, he was dynamite. So I'll definitely watch that when it's when it's on. Um, so Ricky Gervais, you've got Orange is the New Black, uh, new Rambo TV show. 
can't wait. Yeah, they're talking about doing a Rambo yeah. TV show, and they're talking about Sylvester Stallone like being a part of but it. But then he backed off and said he's not going to be in it. Oh, did he? Well, first, there was that. this thing that said he's involved. Not only that, he might be, you know, in the thing. Uh, and then he sort of came out and said no. <laughs> or maybe it was more like no. Nice. Um, but uh, so he's not going to be in it. But God dang, that Rambo sure has gotten a lot of mileage. Sure has. That character, right? Like four movie, five movies, four movies. Yeah, and there's action figures out of him right now. NECA's doing figures that look great. There was an animated series. Now there's another series that might be happening. Like, yeah. he sure knows how to milk his characters. I mean, Rocky got six movies. Rambo got like four or five yep. TV series. I mean, come on, man. You know? Um, yeah, so I think I'll be, I mean, you know, good for Sly. Sly's one of those guys that I never had anything against. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. I don't like his stuff, really, for the most part, but I got nothing against him. Good good, good for you, Sly. Well, I mean, the stuff that he, usually the stuff that he puts his his actual stamp on, stuff he writes, like, you know, the Rocky films, have been, you know, pretty good. Stuff he comes up with. And I think he had a hand in in translating Rambo to the films, too, right? Uh, as far as I know, yeah, a lot of stuff. You know, even the Expendables, like... As an idea, I thought that was such a great idea. Kind of like yeah. when you first read about Van Helsing, you know, like, right. Yep. right? The character of Van Helsing, and then you're going to have the Wolfman and the Dracula and um, was it Frankenstein's monster? Yeah. He's got to fight all these guys. Like, what a. Yeah, that all, that all sounds rock solid on paper. What a great idea. Uh, same thing with The Expendables. Such a great idea to go back to the 80s kind of movies. And it wasn't terrible. The second one, I've forgotten. It was so not good. But the first one was, you know, it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Uh, it just, I just wanted so much more from it because it was such a great idea. But the fact... Well, well you're going to get more. It's coming. Yeah, the fact he's already able to do a third one and Harrison Ford's in it and all these other faces. Mickey Rourke is coming back in it, too. It's like, good for you, Sly. You know, keep keep swinging, buddy. I in say. other TV... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, another TV news, uh, Frank Darabont's new series, originally called L.A. Noir, but I think that was confusing to people because there was a very popular video game that just came out of the same name. Uh-huh. Uh, they've now changed the, the name of it to Mob City. To Blossom. No, it's not Blossom. Oh, no? So that's going to be hitting TNT in December, and there's a new trailer for it out. Okay. We all like Frank Darabont. Didn't he sort of get yep. screwed from the Walking Dead thing? Did he get screwed on that? That certainly sounded like it, yes. Yeah. But I've heard he's has been difficult to work with in the past. Probably. You can, you can just tell that from his interviews, that he's just probably a hard nut and just... You know, he's a, obviously a very talented guy, yeah. and I'll bet you that most of the time he's the guy in the room that is the smartest and does know what's going to work best. But you feel like he knows that too, you know, and doesn't want to be questioned. Right. Yep. So I can. I can and and uh, you, you've I, I heard tell that 
he coasted a lot on Shawshank. Oh, really? And, and used that, you know, as a as a well-regarded film to sort of throw that around in meetings a lot. Like I'm the guy that did that. I could see that. Yeah. Like and wanted everyone to even though he was doing TV to treat it like film, give it a film budget. Oh. You know. So. Yeah, I can see. but that said, he makes amazing product. He does, but you know, if he's a dick, <laughs> you know, no excuse. Um, yeah. But anyway, there, there's that. Then there's a piece of TV news that, again, talk about just no imagination and just I don't care. Yes. Ben Affleck. Uh, no. Wait, who is it? Is it Ben Affleck? No, you're thinking of uh, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Who's Ben Affleck? Okay. You don't know who Ben Affleck oh, right. is at he's this ba- point? He's Batman. Yes. Ben Stiller is doing. Um, they're they're going apparently they're gonna do a pilot or a series of reality bites. The movie yes. that's the movie that no one remembers fondly, <laughs> that everybody hated, and that, from 1994 that made four dollars. And the question on everyone's lips is why so soon? <laughs> why? Well, you know why it's being done now is they they're under the misapprehension that there's enough nostalgia. Now, enough time has passed that there's going to be nostalgia for the 90s. Right. I just don't see it, frankly. Well, it's you know, this hit a little hard uh, this week. There was a, an article that came out saying that Paul Giamatti has signed on. I think it's for FX. Okay. It's either FX or AMC for a new show. And they said it was going to be a period piece. And I was thinking, oh, well, you know, he's so good in John Adams. That's interesting. And uh, you read the article, and it turns out it's set in 1985. Oh, wow. That's the period piece. That's, but, yeah, that makes sense. You know what's funny about the 90s? And I lived through the 90s, obviously. You know, things turned out okay. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of good stuff that happened in the 90s, lots of good movies, lots of good music. You know, but I was having this conversation with someone. You know, we lived through the 70s and the 80s, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners did. And, um, you know, even even some of those 80s bands that we made fun of at the time, like, I never owned a, a record by Culture Club. There's still time. You know, I never was into Culture Club. I always right. thought he had a wonderful voice. I always thought you couldn't deny that Boy George had a great freaking voice. You know, it was a karma chameleon. But, um, but yeah, there's a... There's a handful of Culture Club tunes that if they came on the radio right now, you know, you'd go, oh, that's a good tune. You know, um, what's the one? There's a slow one that they did, too, that was really good. Anyway, my point is, you know, like Queen. I always go on about Queen. There was a time in the early 80s when they toured where when they did a show, they could play for two hours and just play the hits. You know, they could just play the singles, and, and, and play for two, for two hours, you know? I don't know who we have from the 90s or the 2000s so far that you would say would be like that kind of stadium act that the whole audience would, you know, would sing. Like I'm saying, even, even Culture Club, who I never liked and would never buy their stuff, you know, if that song came on at a bar or something, you know, you'd sing along to it. Like you'd, everybody would know that tune or whatever it is. I feel like there were different styles of music, obviously, in the 90s. There was still pop out there, but who are we nostalgic for in the same way 
from the 90s or the early 2000s. Well, clearly, uh, Ben Stiller, Winona Ryder, and Ethan Hawke in Reality Bites. Even in Reality Bites, the best stuff on that soundtrack was The Knack, which was a song from 1979, and Squeeze doing Tempted, which, oh, which yeah. was from, um, you know, 82, I think. There was also a Crowded House track on that soundtrack called Locked Out, which was from their last official album, which was a great song. But everything on that soundtrack, all the, all the best stuff was, was older stuff. God, I hated that movie. Oh, <laughs> Did you see it in the theater? Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to break something when I left the theater. I just hated that movie. I hated the conceits. You can't get three people together to agree on a restaurant to go to or a movie to rent. You're telling me that these four people all knew every episode of Scooby-Doo ever made or, or, or different. Remember they were playing that game where they, they talked about different episodes of like different strokes. I don't remember. The only thing I remember about that film is Ben Stiller gave that speech sort of dressing down Ethan Hawke for, you know, calling him too proper or not being a hipster or something like that. That's the only thing I remember about that film. Well, you need to see it again so you can get angry because it's, <laughs> it's a terrible movie. And it was, it was Ben Stiller directed it, but it was written by this woman that at the time, everybody was like, oh, my God, she's, you know, she is the new voice of a generation, this screenwriter. Maybe she wrote a book, and then she wrote the screenplay. I forget how it went. But I don't think we've ever seen or heard from her again after, after that movie. They really thought that was going to be the, you know, the Saturday Night Fever of the 90s. Oh, they totally did. You know? This, this is Gen X, right? Yes, here. exactly. And it was just shit. Utter shit. <laughs> the only way it could have been worse is if Ben Affleck had directed it. Ah! Wait a second. Yeah. You brought it back around. Well, it's funny. You mentioned Scooby-Doo. Yes, I did. Because this week it was announced Warner Brothers is looking at doing a new animated Scooby-Doo feature film. Oh, it's about time. I know. We've, we've had the hybrid live-action digital animation version, but now we're going back to the classics. It's been too long. It has been too long. But you know, and it's time to introduce a new generation to Scooby Snacks. But you know, and again, this goes back to you know, I'm not above admitting that either I'm wrong or if someone that I loathe does a good job with something. Who's the guy that played Shaggy? Originally? No, no, in or? in in the movies. Oh, wasn't it Matthew Lillard? Yes, he was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wasn't he? I don't know that I ever saw those films. Well, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen them, seen them, but I certainly have seen enough of them, you know, on the, on the HBO or the, the pay cable or whatever, and he was amazing as Shaggy. Yep. He was, he was, his voice was dead on. He's perfect. And now his wife won't sleep with him. But having said that, you know, he was playing Shaggy at the end of the day. Let's not forget he was playing Shaggy. That's right. So what else do you got? Uh, well, they announced that, you know, there, there's the, there was the whole thing. People wondered when Disney bought Marvel how that was all going to work with the theme parks and stuff because Disney or uh, Marvel had a longstanding agreement with Universal 
they've actually got like a, a Marvel theme park in Florida. So they always wondered how was that going to work and, and when would that those agreements expire and, and when will we start seeing Marvel stuff in the parks. And it right. has come to light that the first tiptoe into that world is happening and the movie version of Thor will start appearing as a character in Disneyland coming, I think, in October. So, so that's the first foray into uh, <clears throat> Marvel properties. Is is a guy dressed like movie Thor? Yes. We'll be we'll go have your picture taken with. Oh, nice. After Buzz Lightyear and Mickey uh, have gone inside because of heat stroke. Right. You walk around and find sweaty find Thor. Thor. Oh, that's exciting yes. news. That's very yeah. exciting. This is why our show is so popular. We're on the, because of those sort of tidbits? Yeah, we're on the cutting edge of, of news, of geek news, giving tidbits like that out of information. That's true. That's, uh, that's something. Uh, In more Marvel news, yes. uh, Marvel just announced they are doing a, a new subscription plan. They've, they've got a thing called Marvel Plus right now, uh-huh. where you can subscribe and get like a bunch of digital comics and stuff. But now they've got Marvel Ultimate Plus. What? And it's even like, bigger. Is that like Excedrin Migraine? Yes, it is. Okay. So you sign up for this. I think it's about 100 bucks a year. You get access to over 13,000 digital comics, old and new. And they say they'll be adding more each week, both classic and modern. Uh, you get this little starter kit that comes in a box that's got original artwork for uh, Age of Ultron, and then there's a, a comic book that has a variant cover that you can only get in this this kit that's Age of Ultron. Uh, there are going to be events just for Ultimate Plus subscribers at different conventions, and I think New York Comic Con is going to have the first ones of those. And oh, wow. uh, then it ties it into you know what we talk about a lot, action figures. They have repainted that silver... Hasbro Ultron that came in the Iron Man wave, mm. uh, the second wave of the Iron Man figures. They've painted him gold as he shows up in Age of Ultron, and that's the only way you uh -huh. can get that one unless you paint it gold yourself because he's still in stores. What's what's this all going to cost me? It's about a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks a year. Hundred bucks a year, and you get you get an action figure and a bunch of digital comics. And access to events and this, you know, this special variant cover. And you get a letter, a letter from Irving Forbush. Wow, that's, it sounds like it's worth it for the letter alone. And a box. Remember a that? And carrying to, case. When you used to re-up for the Star Wars fan club? And yeah. you'd, you'd renew and you'd get uh, four new issues of Banta Tracks. Uh-huh. Which was, you know, the Wikipedia, Star Wars Wikipedia of its day. Yes. And a folder that had, like, you know, like, depending on the time frame. I mean, there was a time there, you know, right after Jedi, when they still kind of rode the Star Wars coattails for, like, another year or two, where you could still have a renewal kit that had some black and white shots or some, you know, eight by tens of Star Wars characters. Then once you got to like, you know, 85, 86, started getting 
renewal kits that had like, you know, Howard the Duck embroidered patch. Willow <laughs> Ewok Adventures. <laughs> Willow renewal kit. Yes, exactly. You start yeah. getting like a set of stickers that had Ewok phrases. You know? Red Tails coming soon. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a, and, and we, we stuck with it, you know, because we thought we're, we're still going to get Indiana Jones news because those things are still happening. Uh, but we, we held on thinking we're going to eventually get some information about the new Star Wars movies. Let's keep renewing. You know, those, those Bantha tracks were already only like, what, four or five pages, you know, that folded out. Oh, yeah. Well, they were getting really thin, yeah. you know, in 86, 87. They were getting... And what, what they did, what information they did have were not what you were waiting to read about. No, that's true. I remember the one, the Bantha Tracks cover that I thought, oh, I think I might, I don't think I'm going to renew again. It was, um, it was an, a cover interview with uh, Gloria Katz and Willard's blah blah, whatever his name is, the two people responsible for writing Temple of Doom. Okay. I think they, I think they wrote, they technically wrote, I mean, a lot of it was improv, but they technically wrote the, the screenplay for American Graffiti. They were old friends of, of Lucas's, so he tapped them to write Temple of Doom, and here was this cover story interviewing Gloria Katz uh, about Howard the Duck. Wow. Which, which they really thought was going to be the start of another franchise. Yeah. This thing. So that's, that's when I started to kind of give up on the old Star Wars fan club. Didn't quite light the world on fire like you were hoping? No, no. And then, they, then in 88, they changed it to a magazine, and they changed it to the Lucasfilm fan club. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And in that first issue in 87 or 88, I think it was like the 10th anniversary of Star Wars. It might have been 87. 3PO and R2 were on the cover, like holding a cake or something. And in the news section, they mention the next Indiana Jones film. I don't know if they had a name for it yet, but they also mentioned Red Tails. Right. So in the first issue of the Lucasfilm magazine in 87... They mentioned Red Tails. That's how long he was working on this movie that finally got released to four theaters, you know, a year ago. Yeah. And it was supposed to have been terrible. Like, did you ever hear reviews of it? I heard it was just awful. No, huh? Yeah, it was supposed to be just, just terrible. Mm. Um, speaking of toys, which we sort of were, because you mentioned the Marvel thing. I did, it's true. I found the Mezitz, uh 66 Batmobile. Oh, okay. With the little Batman and Robin figures. Yep. Uh, and I, I picked it up. I thought it was a lot of fun. Really uh, really fun little toy. You know, I've, I haven't picked up the 66 figures yet. I've seen them here and there. Oh, have you? Okay. You know, I think they look fine. I just, I'm not sure I want to go down that road. I'm afraid, because there's probably... You know, so many of them I'm, I might want to grab. I probably wouldn't get them all anyway. I did find the Star Wars black figures a while back. Uh, the little ones or the big ones? The big ones. Okay. But I left Darth Maul, and I left the Stormtrooper. 
but I got Luke and R2. Oh, okay. And um, the Sand Trooper's really nice. And I got Boba Fett and the Carbonite. Okay, at Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, yep. So you know, I, I, it's not one of those lines that I'll get everything of, and I feel like that's kind of like the '66 Batman thing. Like I'm, I haven't seen any of the '66 stuff yet. You haven't seen any of it yet. None of. I, I mean, I, I got the. Uh, ha, uh, Mattel sent me a, a sample of the. Toys R Us two pack of Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. and then uh, I found on Amazon I found Penguin and Riddler for a good price that I just got last week. Mm-hmm. But I've, uh, in a store, I've never seen any of them. Okay. I want to get that Batmobile, but I haven't seen it. Batmobile was they had a ton of those at Toys R Us, and then I saw Riddler, Penguin, Batman, and I think that's it. Those those are the three that I saw. Okay, and, and I picked up Batman. Because I like the little stand that he just the word "pow" on the stand that he came. But I didn't. I haven't seen Batman and Robin. I would have just picked them up, just to just to get the the Batman. Uh, yeah, right. And I and I probably of of any of the other characters, I'd probably want to get the Joker. He's out now. I've seen a couple of people on on Facebook have found him. So. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'd probably get him, and then I probably I don't think I would get the other. Again, it's not that I think that they're they're bad figures or anything like that. I just I just don't have it in me to want to get to be a completist on that line. Right. You know, um, but they're out there. They're definitely floating around out there, folks. I got to yeah. find them. I, I just got uh, the Hot Toys Avengers Hulk. Oh, that's got to be like eight feet tall. It's like I have a second child. I can be in the carpool lane with it. It's like having a toddler. You should try that. You should try the carpool lane. I think it is nine pounds. I'm not exaggerating. Jeez. Yeah. Do you now? Do you open all that stuff and display it? Yes. The hot toy stuff you do. So you put it like in cabinets at home or something. Correct. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, the hot toys. It's it's all beautiful. Don't get me wrong. I think it's amazing stuff. I just it's so expensive, and I feels like some of it's so delicate that I'd be afraid to, to open it all up. You know, it's just so. They're so nice. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't get everything by any means. I, I've got all the Avengers stuff, except I don't have Samuel L. Jackson yet. Uh, I got all the Nolan Batman stuff, and I got the Keaton Batman and Joker, mm. and the and the Christopher Reeve Superman. But that's it. You know, I'm not getting all the the Predator and the GI Joe and are the you know. um, are the 18 inch. Keaton and 66 Batman, are those all out? They're not out yet, but they should be very soon. Uh, NECA tweeted a picture of the looked like pretty finished product of the 66 Batman using his rope, like climbing the wall. It looked really great. Because they're, they're, they have much more articulation than they used to, right? Oh, yeah, the 18? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I might, I might do that Keaton Batman. Yep. But that's a big figure, you know? That's a big, ridiculous figure. It's, you know, 18-inch tall monster. Got to have yep. room for that stuff. It's going to scare your dog. That's right. That's right. He won't be able to to go in the spare room. Uh, that's right. On that note, we should probably wrap it up because it's, it's a good chunk of time here, and you and I have got things we have to do, and... Frankly, we're just giving too much information out to these people. I think they're going to need to find some stuff out on their own. I think you're right, but we'll, we will end 
with naming our listener of the week. Oh, good. Another listener of the week for a new week. New listener of the week. And this week's listener is John Wesley Huff. Oh, I know John, John Wesley, Wesley Huff. Huff from the uh, the Geek Show in here at uh, Facebook page, always making comments and stuff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He posted something just this week where he was talking. Uh, he sent us an article from the Wall Street Journal blog about Paramount is re-releasing Star Trek Into Darkness and World War Z back into theaters as a double feature. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't mind seeing a double feature. I just wish it wasn't Star Trek Into Darkness again. <laughs> right. But if you, you, know, you pay one price, you get to see two movies. That's not a bad gig. Not a bad, not a bad ticket. You're right. Yeah. So thank you, John, for being a listener and for also participating in the discussion and posting stuff on the Facebook page. We always appreciate that. Yes, we do. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, John. You're officially Listener of the Week. That will uh, get you a free drink in any bar you walk into. That's right. Just tell them Geek Shell and Herod sent you. That's right. It's, it's a true story. Go into any bar and just mention it. And If you don't get punched by the by the bartender uh, for mentioning our names, then you'll probably get a free drink. That's right. Good luck with that. Uh, thanks, everybody. Hope you learned something. I know I did. I know I did. And, uh, and that's that you know way too much about working, girl. That's right. And that's one to grow on. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Shiny. Let's be bad guys. Secrets of nature's deepest mystery.